because of that, I know that if I'm diligent and I stick with this, I have an opportunity to succeed. And, and just that thought can really be encouraging. So, so I hope someone listening to this, uh, A, you'll uh, either encourage someone else who's going through this process, or if you're discouraged yourself, you'll keep listening to this podcast because <laughs> uh, this is the right place to be if, if that's where you are. Welcome to Beyond the Dollar, a podcast where we have deep and honest conversations about how money affects our well-being. I'm Sarah Lee Kane, founder of High Fiving Dollars. And I'm Garrett Philbin, founder of Be Awesome Not Broke. As money coaches, we want to give you a space to explore your relationship with money, the guilt, the stress, exhilaration, and fear. No topic is taboo. In this episode, we sit down with Jared Easley, co-founder of Podcast Movement, the world's largest podcasting-only conference. We talk about how to take leaps of faith, both financially and in our careers, and how you can approach these life changes when there is someone else in your life to consider. We also talk about using the power of curiosity to ask yourself the right questions, especially when you feel like giving up. Get ready, grab a seat, and let's go beyond the dollar. Welcome, Jared, to Beyond the Dollar. It's great to have you. Thank you, Sarah, and thank you, Garrett. All right, let's dive into the very first question. So what has been the biggest lesson you've learned from continually taking risks when building a podcast movement? <laughs> yeah, we like to just start small. Yeah, pretty so much. You're it, it, depends, it depends on uh, yeah, what mood I'm in to answer that question. Um, it, it could be a range of emotions. One emotion is when you're doing something for you and you're, you know, not sure if it's going to play out, but then it, it kind of starts to peak its head and there's some hope and, and there's something there. It just seems like people come out of the woodwork and be like, Hey, your thing is so shiny and pretty. Let me have it. Let me use it. Uh, so, so what that translates to is, um, yeah, that, that's something that frustrates me is, uh, you, you create something and you have something cool, but then there's other people that envy that or think that uh, they're entitled to whatever you're working on. And so I've seen a lot of that, which is like, hey, what's up with that? But then there's generous people like yourself. Uh, so it, it kind of balances out. So that's not the answer you're expecting, I bet. If it's the honest one, then it's the answer yeah. we want. <laughs> well, that, that, that's just the one that was on the top of my head. How about that? Some of our listeners might not be that familiar with Podcast Movement. So can you just give us a brief background on what Podcast Movement is and kind of how you've built it to this thing that people can even be jealous of and want to kind of ride your coattails on? Well, I, I don't pretend that it is as big as you're describing, but I am uh, excited about Podcast Movement. It is an event, a conference that is specific to people who are podcasting, wanting to podcast, or they have some kind of service or business that would be appropriate for that space. So that's typically the folks that are drawn to Podcast Movement, and it's in its fifth year. So back up a few years, this event didn't exist, and my business partner and I were in Vegas at another event where a majority of the attendees were podcasters, but the content of the event was maybe a quarter of the content was focused toward podcasting. The rest was like blogging and uh, video and stuff like that. And I remember thinking, wow, there should be an event for podcasters because most of the people here are podcasters. And so my friend and I said, hey, maybe that's something we could start. We had no background in events, uh, no event organizing experience, nothing like that. And we decided, well, we don't have money to lose on something that's not proven. 
the next logical step to us was to find a way to validate an idea. And for us, that was using a crowdfunding campaign. And there was a lot of odds stacked against us, Garrett and Sarah, because we didn't have an email list. We didn't have a number of things that the experts would say you need to have a successful campaign. What we did have was some friends who were podcasters. So we went to those friends and said, hey, we want to do this. Is this something you'd speak at? Is it something that you'd support and, and share with your network? A uh, majority of those folks said yes. We launched a crowdfunding campaign, and we needed just a minimum amount of $10,000 just to take the next step. That was enough to take the next step, not enough to certainly cover the cost to do what we wanted to do. But our vision at that time was maybe 200 people. We thought, wow, that's huge. And in one day, the very first day of that crowdfunding campaign, we raised $10,000, which was our goal. And at the end of the 30 days, it was over $30,000, uh, certainly enough to validate that, hey, there's something here, let's continue on. And then it was basically baptism by the fire, learning what we didn't know, making a ton of mistakes. And to a 200-person event that we thought in our mind ended up being 600 people, and we had to change venues three times in a series of like four months. So yeah, that was uh, that was five years ago. So I'd like to say we've learned a little bit since then. But uh, yeah, so now it's an event, and people from all over the world come. And this year we're going to be in Philadelphia. We have about we'll probably have about 2,000 podcasters, and it's going to be a blast. <laughs> in my own business, it was. Yeah, you know, I remember being really scared because I thought every move was a risk and it was like, what if I fail or what if I lose all this money or I have to, heaven forbid, leave my son with the, you know, the daycare and get a nine to five job. That was actually one of my biggest fears. Yeah, you know, what would you say to someone who who wants to take a financial leap, whether it's quitting their job to start a business, whether it's to even move halfway across the country, let's say, and get a new job? Like, what would you say to somebody like that? Because the mindset part of it, in my experience, is such a huge hurdle, I guess you can say, to overcome. Well, our first year, we broke even. Our second year, we were $40,000 in the hole. And that was probably the only time in my nine-year marriage where I thought my wife might leave me. I was really nervous about that. So uh, we were working full-time jobs, my business partner, Dan and I, uh, and family responsibilities, and then you know, trying to plan an event, uh, which is basically like a second full-time job. That was difficult and very stressful. And I remember just at times thinking, I don't think this is going to work. <laughs> like, this is insane. We're probably foolish. And uh, I listened to a lot of <laughs> Zig Ziglar and motivational stuff to try to get me through that. And we ultimately learned from those mistakes, put some guardrails in place, and that has protected us since then. And now we've learned what we didn't know. And uh, made some correct decisions. And January 1st of this year, 2018, we went full time with podcast movement. So uh, Sarah, to answer your question, we, we didn't start out making a leap. We had to wait. We had to validate. We had to build. And that can be really frustrating, especially if you're impatient. So my encouragement to someone who's wanting to make a leap, but they're not quite there yet, is that's okay, first of all. And you want to take little baby steps. So an example of a baby step for me was, okay, I want more flexibility with my day. For me, flexibility with my day means maybe I can't work a nine to five, but maybe I can do some type of contracting job, like a 1099 role where I still make reasonable income, but I'm not stuck at a desk for these 40 hours plus a week or whatever. 
that for me worked. It worked uh, in the sense that it gave me more flexibility to work on the side and also bring in income for the family. Uh, but it, the time frame for me wasn't what I was hoping for. I was hoping, you know, I'll just do this for a few months or a year. It turned into, you know, several years. And that was okay. And I just had to learn that that was okay. It's a lot easier now to look back and say it was okay. But at the time, <laughs> I, was, I was impatient. I was frustrated. I was tired. I was uh, stressed. But I look back now and I think, oh, silly, Jared. You know, this all played out. But in the moment, it's hard to tell yourself that if you're not sure. Well, you mentioned that listening to motivational speakers like Zig Ziglar, what are some other things that help support you through that? Because looking in hindsight, you can say, oh, silly Jared, you know, it all worked out. But when you're in that moment, you don't have that distance and that patience. So what are some other things that you had or that you did that helped get you through that period of time? You know, I, I didn't have a lot. I really didn't. I, I'd love to pretend that family was rallying around me. That, that wasn't actually true. <laughs> they thought, this guy's crazy. Um, so my wife, whom I love, she's more of the show me the money kind of person, which I totally get and appreciate. So when there was no money, I couldn't show her. The only thing I could do was physically bring her to podcast movement. And her, her mom, uh, actually, she came with us. And I would take them to the event because I wanted them to see what was going on, you know, Hey, they're, we're in the process of building here. And while, you know, we're not necessarily in a position to take home all this money and, and just throw away other jobs or whatever, you can see for yourself that there's people here. This is, this is not a, a, a toil that's in vain, if you will. And I think that was encouraging to me is, is while I didn't have, uh, you know, somebody uh, shaking my hand and patting me on the shoulder, <laughs> so to speak, I, I did have the ability to, uh, like you said, listen to things that were uh, giving me a better mindset, that were encouraging me, and then being being at the event and seeing it firsthand. You know, seeing your work and seeing the effort that you put into something, and seeing that that it is resonating. There is uh, something there. Um, I think another thing is for for folks that are struggling with that is is man, I wish there was a better answer, but in some cases you just have to, you have to encourage yourself. And I mean, I wish it was prettier than that. I wish there was this, you know, dial a mentor or something. Maybe there is, I, I, I didn't know about it, but I think there's times when you, when you just have to suck it up and you have to say, okay, I'm discouraged, but I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that I'm reading or listening to, or putting things in my mind that are going to, uh, be encouraging and are going to make me laugh that are going to help me to navigate this. And sometimes that's, that's all you got. And, and you just say that's okay and, and work on that. And there are days when you're frustrated and maybe you just need a nap, <laughs> you know, maybe you need a, a long walk. Uh, maybe you need a, you know, a beverage, an adult beverage. So. Yeah. And that to me ties back into this baby steps idea that you brought up, which is so important that it doesn't have to be this major thing every day or saying, you know what, I need to go from my day job to entrepreneurship in a week. And it needs to be this major to do. I think people a lot of times can think that it has to be this grand show and that it's going to happen very quickly. And it's, you're at X one day and at Y the other. And you know, that is just not realistic. And so saying it will probably take years and it's not going to take weeks or even months. Um, and just to piggyback on what you said about believing in yourself when others don't, yes to that. 
And one thing that I found incredibly important um, when I quit my full-time job and started working at a music production company that me and two friends from college started was having other people who believed in me, which I know was a luxury. It was just one person, one of the other co-founders, and he was someone who continually said, I know that you can do this. I trust that you can do this. And when you are ready, I am here when you want to do it. And he just said that over and over again for six months. And it took him saying that. I honestly don't know if I would have quit and joined without him as a support structure in my life because he believed in me when I didn't. And so I'm thinking of how to make that kind of an actionable thing for people is more the people who you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. They really, really, really matter. And so be intentional with the people who you bring into your life, if you are even remotely thinking about doing something that's really going to stretch you, because those are going to be the people who you can lean on and who will not just catch you, but also also then push you up when you're going through these really, really challenging times. You can work really hard for someone else or you can work hard for yourself. And I love that idea of, okay, if I'm going to work really hard, I'm going to work really hard for myself and I'm going to give it all I got. And I live in a, a country in the United States where I'm free to do this. And because of that, I know that if I'm diligent and I stick with this, I have an opportunity to succeed. And, and just that thought can really be encouraging. So, so I hope someone listening to this, uh, A, you'll uh, either encourage someone else who's going through this process, or if you're discouraged yourself, you'll keep listening to this podcast because <laughs> uh, this is the right place to be if, if that's where you are. I, I find that too when I take risks, even now, I have this expectation of a certain result or a very specific way that something will look, for example. So like, you know, when I started my content marketing business, I had a very specific niche that I thought I would be successful in. And now I'm in personal finance, which was the last thing on my mind, <laughs> right? Mm. But I love what I do. I have great clients. And I, I feel really great knowing I'm helping another company reach the masses with their message. And I'm wondering that, you know, when we have all these expectations, when we're taking these risks or making decisions, does that affect the rate at which somebody will give up? What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I mean, there's there so many variables that can make a person discouraged and want to give up. And I'm thankful to hear, you know, Sarah, that you're utilizing your strengths and in, in this case, benefiting organizations, you know, with, with something that you're good at and you like that. So you're less likely to get discouraged because you're doing something that you're good at. And, and maybe that's the key here is, is continue to find what you're strong at, what's something that interests you. And when you're uh, doing work that's based around those things, it, it uh, kind of helps you through that discouragement if that comes up. And we're talking about how to take financial leaps. And I think a part of that, why people are scared is they're fr afraid of failure. Like what happens if I don't succeed? So I take this leap and I fall flat on my face. And I think in order to overcome that, it's important to be connected, like what you just said, Jared, to what it is that you're doing so that the fear of failure no longer holds weight. I would say because you are so excited about what it is that you're moving toward that you're willing to fall down nine times and get up 10. So what did you learn about failure as you kind of failed and overcame and failed and overcame? Uh, someone gave me advice about this, uh, thinking what's the worst possible thing that could happen is, you know, if you have a job, you lose your job or you work for yourself and you have a gap in your income and maybe you lose your home or something. And that's horrible. But 
we have family that live in this area. It's not like I would be on the street. <laughs> you know, they would, they would actually let me stay with them and they would feed my wife and daughter and I. So I, I guess when I really started to think through what's the worst types of things that could happen, it was bad, but it wasn't as bad as it could be. And so for me, uh, that, that, that was a big uh, plus was realizing, hey, the, the, the scary isn't as scary um, even though it's not great, it's, it's, you know, that's the absolute worst case scenario. And, and I know myself well enough to know is as long as I'm, I have the ability to work and I have the ability to, um, create and do things that I feel compelled to do that I'm very unlikely to be in a scenario where I'm just destitute, you know, I'm going to figure it out. And, um, so I, I think, uh, yeah, that, that's definitely was going through my mind. And then another thing is, is my business partner, Dan, he's, uh, he's the opposite of me where I'm emotional sometimes or I'm frustrated about something. He's even kill. He's just like calm and collected. And uh, it's really nice to have uh, his perspective when uh, my pers- perspective is off. And, and so those conversations are helpful as well. Uh, so I, I guess I, I made it sound like I didn't have anybody in my corner, but I would say Dan was in my corner that whole time. So that, that absolutely helped. I was going to say, if, if you, even if you don't feel like you have somebody in your corner, you know, for, for people who are really spiritual, religious, like there's God or there's the Buddha or Allah or whoever, right? So I remember last year, I'm trying to remember what month, probably like this <laughs> 2017. Yeah. <laughs> um, probably like March or April. And I had this grandiose idea of staying at home with my kid, you know, 24 seven, type it on my computer. It's going to be great. He's going to play in the corner while I work. You know, mothers with young children or parents with young children know that's not the reality. The, the worst day was when my husband comes home and the furniture, except for the sofa, was like turned over. It looked like a rock had come in and just like trashed the entire room. I he, he comes and sees my face and I run away to McDonald's. I was like the closest place I could go to. I grab a hot chocolate and I'm in tears. In my head, I'm like, I can't do this. I'm going to quit this. I'm going to like get a job. And I come home. The house is clean. My son's asleep. And my husband's like, tomorrow's another day. And I was mm-hmm. like, tomorrow's another day. Yes. And that actually really got me through it. So <laughs> just had to share that. <laughs> Earlier, you talking about the religion thing. I was thinking about Forrest Gump and when he's not getting any shrimp. And he, the next thing you know, he's the white guy in the black church singing in the choir. <laughs> and that was just before they, you know, they had that hurricane and he becomes the only shrimping boat. So uh, I was thinking about that and cracking up. And uh, that worked out for Forrest Gump. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah we encourage those things. <laughs> And I'm glad that your husband cleans. Good for you, Sarah. That's I know. Awesome. I, I wouldn't have married him if that you know, wasn't part of the package. <laughs> <Yeah>. so. <laughs> Actually, I feel a little convicted, Garrett. I, there's probably a little bit of vacuuming I should do today. <laughs> I may or may not do that after this interview. It's interesting because both of you are married and I'm single. So for me, making these decisions to take financial leaps, I have a lot fewer people to think about. So for me, I only have to take into my needs, no dogs, cats, turtles, things I have to worry about keeping even remotely alive besides myself. And so when you're taking these financial leaps, and Jared, you mentioned that over the nine years, there was this one period when it was really, really challenging with your wife because you were in this period of struggle of building podcast movement. And so a question to either of you is like, when you want to take financial leaps, how do you either enroll another person or... How do you manage having to think of someone else's needs 
when you're doing something of which is like very based on what it is that you need and want? That's a great question, Sarah. <laughs> you're like, nice I don't dodge. Wanna. Okay, well, um, it might be a long answer, but I'll go for it. So I'm always the type of person that will just do things on a whim. I will say I do something and then I just do it. Like I very famously say I'll move to this country and bought a one-way ticket and that's what I did, right? This was also when I was single. Now that I have a kid and a husband, very different. Even though these feelings still come up where I'm like, I want to do this. Because I remember actually telling my husband, like, I'm going to start my own business and I'm going to quit my teaching job. And he was like, oh. <laughs> and that was kind of the end of the discussion for a little while. And then he realized I was serious. Then we sat down and we talked about it. And number one to anybody who, who's considering that conversation, don't do it the way I did, <laughs> number one. Number two, don't assume that your spouse is going to be against what you want to do. I was under, like, my husband's a very, very supportive guy, but whenever we actually did sit down and have that conversation, I was, like, so scared he was going to say no. And I thought, okay, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to make this plan work if he doesn't agree with it, right? So so you, so you just go in with in the conversation with an open mind. Um, you know, if you want to think about the practical terms, like, we had quite a huge um, – buffer account enough to last both of us if we were not to be employed for like two years. So we were pretty safe in that department. Um, and I also gave myself a deadline. I, I told my husband, like, if X, Y, and Z doesn't work by, you know, June 2017, I will then look for a full-time job. And we both agreed to that. It was kind of a verbal agreement. And so we, you know, I looked every month and like, did I hit certain metrics? If I didn't by that time, then okay, I'm going to do it because that's what we agreed to do. I I didn't always get this right, Garrett. I made a lot of mistakes. I, I was spending too much time on other things rather than, you know, talking and communicating with my wife about what was going on. And there, there she made a joke one time and it was, you know, it was supposed to be funny, but I, it, I knew it was more than a joke. She had said that podcasting was my mistress and ha ha ha. But, but I remember when, thinking about that, I was like, ah, that's not cool. You know, that's, that's definitely not what I'm going for here. And so, yeah, I had to, I had to learn and, and I still am learning. There are moments now and I'm like, Hey, put the laptop down <laughs> and Oh yeah, I can do that. I have the flexibility to do that. <laughs> and, and so I, I would love to pretend that I, I am clear of this and, you know, <laughs> do, do as I say, no, I, I, I'm working on that. I'm a work in progress, but I appreciate uh, Sarah's advice. I like that. Just to add to that, I'm also guilty of working a lot. <laughs> and so I have to stop. And um, it's gotten to the point where my husband will slam my laptop shut because I you know, have my headphones in. I'm not even paying attention. Mm -hmm. And my my intent with starting my business was to be present for my family. And if I'm not present for my family, then is my business successful? No. And I love my husband. He's supportive, but he's also like a straight shooter. And he will tell me like, Sarah, stop. You're just working too much. Your son needs you. And I listen to him. Well said. What I hear from that is communication and like listening to what your spouse is saying. And then also listening to what it is the voice inside of yourself is saying too, such as, okay, I built this business so that I can have some flexibility in my life so that I can be more present with my family. And we know all starting our own businesses that it doesn't look like this perfect, just like line going up, right? It's not as if 
everything's going to work out great. And there are going to be periods, right? Where I think, Sarah, you will have to work and put in more hours just based on things that you've said yes to. And then it's communicating with your husband to say, here is this period that I am in, right? It's this period of I'm working more than I want, but this is going to give me a chance to then take a breath in two weeks. And then we're going to go do X, Y, and Z, put the kid in daycare. And we're just going to YOLO in Orlando at Harry Potter world because inwardly we're both children. I love Harry Potter. So that's just what I want. With. <laughs> um, but communication, that was the thing that just hearing you two talk popped out as like a very important piece where even if it's not what you think the other person wants to hear, it's just telling them and then getting them on board and having that communication so that it just isn't bottled up whether inside yourself or the other person, which will then sap energy from whatever it is that you're trying to do. Yeah. One of the biggest lessons I learned was that I made the assumption that I told my husband things or I, or I knew how he felt about decisions I was making when I was building the business. And it wasn't until I should directly ask him or checked in with him that I was extremely surprised by the answers. Um, you know, at one point I was working for months and I wasn't making a dime. Like email, like I emailed people, it was making a dime. I was like, okay, it's gonna, you know, someone's gonna say yes and I'm just motivating myself. But I didn't realize my husband was really super anxious about it because at that point he was you know, preparing to be the, you know, quote unquote breadwinner while I'm transitioning into, you know, my you know full-time business. And so I had no idea until I actually asked him. And then I was like, oh, like, duh, I should have asked him earlier. And then we talked about it and I showed him, you know, my bookkeeping software and all the things I'm doing. And then he felt better about it. <laughs> you felt better about uh, your hustle and, and, <laughs> and started making money. <laughs> you guys can totally chime in if you disagree or agree is when you take a risk, it's that fear of the unknown. And that's when we start making these stories about the worst case scenario, best case scenario, whatever it is. And we talk ourselves out of it because we just make the assumption that this unknown thing is scary. And what if it isn't scary? What if we're actually meant to take leaps and risks? What if life is actually pushing us toward that, towards that direction? Where we almost have no choice not to take that risk. Yeah, that takes me back to what you said really quickly, Sarah, what, earlier when you wanted your business to look a certain way, this idea that you're attached to what it looks like. And that I think is where we get into a lot of trouble, where we think our life has to look a certain way rather than more just like being, you know, and like Jared, you just realizing that there's this opportunity for you to bring people together in a way that really, really excited you. It could have been podcast movement. It could have been like throwing EDM dance parties with uh, I don't even know where I'm going with this, but Harry Potter. God, marry me. Yes. We're going to create a business together. Uh, yeah, Not being attached to what it looks like, but just figuring out like what really excites you and then being open to whatever form that takes. Yes. And yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. I was about to say this delusion of this thing's going to happen right away. You know, when it's not happening right away, what's wrong with me and how dare this person in my life not see this grand picture and understand me. Yeah, I've, I've had to deal with that. I, I, I'm getting better at it. So, but yeah, I've, I've made some mistakes. I love that last part where you're talking about the questions like, oh, why is this happening to me? Or, you know, why is this person not supporting me? And I'm a big advocate of asking questions. I think I've almost talked about it to death on the podcast so far. <laughs> Garrett, you can correct me. <laughs> but I think when we're scared or we're taking risks, maybe 
we need to shift our questions into one of a, I guess, a victim mentality. Like, why is this happening to me? Instead of, and just flip it, I would say on upside down, I guess, and, and come from a place of curiosity. So maybe for me, if I were to start all over again, I could ask myself a question like, oh, what industry would, would best, would be best for me, my strengths? Or, you know what, my son just flipped the coffee table over. What can I do to calm him down? <laughs> you know, or what can I do to prevent things like that from happening in the future? What do you guys think about that? Yes, these are good questions. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's great that flip from kind of scarcity or the world being against me. You know, if someone is in a job that they don't love, and a lot of times we get in these stories of like, oh, well, I can't do this, or oh man, how am I going to be able to look for another job? No one would take me or, oh, I need a raise, but I can't do this. And, and we really do get in that victim mindset and kind of saying how things are happening to us rather than for us. And so just asking those questions of, yeah, what is it that I want? Right. And Jared, you alluded to this of just saying, you know, what are these baby steps that I can take to start getting me closer to whatever the answers to those questions are? start saying, okay, well, I want more freedom. I want a little bit more flexibility. And what can that look like? And what is just like one step to get me in that direction? I think one big thing is that you don't have to know what the picture is going to look like of your life in six months, in 12 months, in two years. But by taking a single step towards what it is that you want, it kind of unfurls like the yellow brick road in front of you. And you only sometimes need to see a couple of steps ahead just to know that you're kind of heading in that right direction and then trust, again, the universe, God, whoever, that it will unfold as needed and be committed to your own personal growth and doing what it is that you want and not attached to how that's ultimately going to look. Amen. Yes, preach it. <laughs> like, sorry, I didn't, I didn't have a question at the end of that. Just more like, there we go. Drop that one on y'all. Well, is there anything anybody wants to ask before we uh, wrap this up? Not a, a question, but yeah, I just want to say that I'm I'm grateful to be in this type of dialogue. You know, the, these types of conversations keep me remembering what's what's wise. What it, it's grounding for me. It reminds me of what the focus should be. So I I appreciate that. Well, we appreciate you being on the podcast, Jared. Oh yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on. Yes, we should do it again. <laughs> I'm in. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beyond the Dollar. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. And if you can think of one awesome human who would connect with what we talked about today, we'd love you forever if you shared this episode with them. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Beyond the Dollar.